welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Today is the first Sunday after Pentecost, or as we, as we call it and we celebrate in the Western church, it's Trinity Sunday. We look back on the great 50 days of Easter and we remember that God the Father has revealed himself perfectly in God the Son, in Jesus. And after this, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, which we celebrated at the Feast of the Ascension. And all authority on heaven and earth are his. And last week we celebrated what Jesus shockingly told his disciples in our gospel text, in our gospel reading this morning. It is to your advantage that I go away. How? How? Because the Father sent the Helper, God the Holy Spirit, and he will not only be among you, he will dwell in you. He will dwell in you. Three persons, one God. This is what we call the triunity, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's what we're here to celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. Now, to look deeply into the nature of the tri-personal God of the Bible is an all-consuming task. It will require a whole lot of energy on, on every level. But as As we study God, we must always remember that God is not on trial, okay? God, as Lewis says, God is not in the dock. We are not here to judge him, okay? To see God face to face is not about bringing God down to our level so that we can know him, so that we can analyze him and figure him out. It's about being lifted up in Christ to make our home with him to make our home with the Holy Trinity. So Trinity Sunday is not about analyzing and cramming God into the little box that is our mind, okay? This task is really important, but it's not bringing God down to our level. In love, in love, we are lifted up to be with him in relationship. It is exactly what what we heard this morning. We are here to love the Lord your God with all your heart. We're here to be lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, I said this last year when I had the wonderful opportunity to preach on Trinity Sunday. I said this last year, there are thousands of sermons that you can preach about the Holy Trinity. That's that should be unsurprising, right? This is God. This is this is an unfathomable depth that we will be we will be going into and, and seeking to know more and more for all eternity. But this sermon this morning is going to be about one thing, one thing, holiness. I want to I want to focus on holiness this morning. C.S. Lewis once said that to become holy must be great fun. Must be great fun. I'm still trying to figure that one out. There are, there are many attributes of God in Scripture. There's love and mercy and grace, power, wrath, kindness. I could go on. There's a long list. But the Bible never says of any other attribute, God is love, love, love. It never says that. 
There's only one attribute of God in the whole Bible that is repeated three times. Holy, holy, holy. Holiness is the sum total of the attributes of God. More than anything else, God is holy. Yes, God is love. What kind of love? He is holy. He is holy in his love. He is is holy love, and I could keep going. I could keep on going. The early church fathers taught that this threefold repetition, this super-duper-duper holiness, pointed to the thrice-holy God, which we sang this morning, the Trisagion, the thrice-holy God. There There are many wonderful points of theology that we Anglicans want to be known for. There are adjectives all over our websites and our conferences, sacramental, liturgical, missional, gospel-centered, creational, and all of these for really good reasons, okay? For really good reasons, but holiness rarely makes it on the list. J.I. Packer said it's because we find holiness passe, or for those who uh, don't understand what passe is, like me, It's not fashionable. It's just not fashionable. We can't market holiness. Or else, in our postmodern attempt at humility, we don't emphasize holiness because we don't want to sound arrogant or exclusive. God is the one and only holy one, and everything and everyone else is a lame pretender. Right? That that sounds a little too bold for us. That sounds too bold. We live in a culture of live and let live, right? We hear all the time that Christians are supposed to be loving, merciful, and humble, not holier than thou. Not ho- That's a phrase to us, holier than thou. We're scared of this. We don't, we don't often hear about being holy, and we don't often talk about becoming a saint. Translation, holy one. A sanctified one. So one of my main goals this morning is to persuade to you that this should not be so, okay? This should not be so. So let's talk about holiness. I want to I answer three questions in this sermon. The first question, what is holiness? What is holiness? And then we will see why aren't we holy? So number two, why aren't we holy? And number three, how can we become holy? In other words, how can we be holy ones, saints, sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ? So number one, what is holiness? Now, I'm going to pause one more time, okay? Before we get to holiness, we need to talk about three other ideas that circle around this idea of holiness. Worship, power, and purity, okay? So we're not quite to defining holiness, Let's look at worship, power, and purity. Day and night, as we heard in Revelation, the heavenly host never ceased to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, we have already unpacked this for a long time over the last couple months in Revelation. But in case you forgot already, Revelation is about worship. It's about worship. We worship the triune God, the, to God and to the Lamb and to the sevenfold spirit belong all glory and honor and praise. So the idea of worship is always surrounding and always comes with holiness. You probably won't walk out of here remembering much of this sermon, 
But guess what you're probably going to do? You're probably going to walk out of here singing, holy, 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 or holy. That'll get stuck in your head. You will not, you will not get that out of your head this week. Any time in the Bible we get close to holiness, the holiness of God, we quickly get to the idea of worship. So two more ideas, power and purity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Almighty. Isaiah 6, which we heard read this morning, the calling of Isaiah. Isaiah isn't an outsider like most of the other prophets. He wasn't an outsider. He was an insider. He was part of the king's court. He was, he was a big deal, okay? Yahweh God calls him by lifting him up, just like John. He lifts him up into the heavenly court to what? He hears worship, the same song that we hear in Revelation. He hears worship and he sees God. And what does Isaiah do? What does Isaiah do? He falls apart. He falls apart. He says, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. He, he is disintegrated, right? He is, he is one thing and he just falls apart. He's disintegrated. Isaiah is undone by the holiness of God, by the perfect purity of the Lord God Almighty. So this is what R.C. Sproul calls the trauma of holiness, the trauma of holiness, or Calvin says it like this, hence that dread and amazement with which holy men were struck and overwhelmed whenever they beheld the presence of God. Men are never duly touched and impressed with a conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. The majesty of God. So to be face to face with the holy God is to fall down dead before the perfect and pure and almighty one. And if by God's infinite mercy, he calls you into his court to see him, if you are welcomed in by grace, then the only proper response is to fall down at the feet of the king and worship him. Okay, so we've seen three, we've seen two different scenes. Okay, I want to move to one more scene and then we'll get to the definition of holiness. Okay, we're still in point number one. What does Charlton, Charlton Heston say to Pharaoh? You guys remember? Yeah, let my people go, let my people go. But the second part of his petition is so that they might make a feast to me in the wilderness, they might worship me. Go and serve Yahweh. Go and hold a feast. Go and worship. I will deliver you my people so that you may bow down and worship me. So when the grace of God breaks in and he delivers his people Israel from Egypt, their response is worship. So I want you to look with me at Isaiah, or sorry, Exodus 19. Open the Pew Bible to, to page 60 of the Pew Bible. Exodus 19. So this is where we're at in the story. After receiving this powerful salvation, this grace of God being delivered through the waters, they are in the wilderness. And before Moses comes down the mountain with the 10 words, the 10 commandments, before the law is given, we have this scene in Exodus chapter 19. Look with me at verse four. Experience this. 
Verse 4 of Exodus 19, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Grace, grace. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of intercessors for all the nations. Just like Abraham's promise, a kingdom of priests, every person, and a holy nation, a holy nation. Skip down to verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them. Make them holy today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people and you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and he consecrated them. He, he made them holy. He consecrated the people and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and skipping down to verse 22. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves. Make, make themselves holy. Now, the meaning of this text is, I think in many ways, the experience of this text. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, literally, close your eyes right now. Imagine making preparations to come near a great mountain, making sure your, your kids stay close and don't run off and die, making sure the family dog doesn't run across the line and die. Thunder and lightning, the loudest trumpets you've ever heard, the smell of smoke in your nostrils, the unimaginable heat on your face from the holy fire coming down from heaven. The almighty and perfectly righteous king has come down to sit on his throne. This image is the perfect storm of the unimaginable power the untouchable purity, the unfathomable size and majesty of God, the holiness of God. You can open your eyes now if your eyes are still closed. So back to the question. We have images in our head from three different texts. What is holiness? Now, I'm not going to nerd out. I crossed out a lot of stuff here. I will show you my footnotes, okay? A lot of us have heard... A, 
since 1878, most of us have heard that holiness is primarily about being set apart. But I'm going to follow uh, Old Testament scholar Peter Gentry this morning. And, and here's the definition of holiness that Gentry gives. The basic meaning of holiness is consecrated to or devoted to. Devoted to. Why does this matter? Holiness is not centrally about absence, what you're coming from, but about devotion. Not about what you're giving up, what you're separated from, it's but, but it's about whom and to what you are devoted to. So not from, to. Two, it's not your back that we're talking about. It's, it's about your face. Holiness is directional. It's not primarily divisive, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not primarily about setting apart. It's about a devotion. God is the perfectly devoted one, the holy husband, the faithful devoted lover, the unwavering constant judge, always and everywhere, perfectly devoted to righteousness, This is another way to say that Yahweh God is holy. He's holy. So therefore, image bearer, image bearer of the, of God, the devoted one, the holy God, all of you, all of us be holy as I, the Lord, your God am holy. We were created to be holy and to approach the holy one, to be near him, to devote heart mind, soul, strength to him. In the Bible, you can either consecrate or devote yourself to Yahweh, to God, or you can consecrate or devote yourself to approach Baal. You can be holy to an idol, holy to God or holy to an idol, enslaved to Christ or enslaved to sin, alive to God or dead in your desire. You can be saints, which is another way to say pursuers of the divine presence, those devoted to him, or you can be stuck in your trespasses and sins, those who run away to every other way, to hide from the holy God, okay? So this is our definition of holiness. Holiness, or to be holy, means devotion to fill in the blank. Devotion to something. So what? Let's get practical. Number two, why aren't we holy? This, is, this was what I was soaking in a lot this week. Why aren't we devoted to God? Why don't we seek God first and his righteousness? The overwhelming answer for most of us isn't that we are devoted to Satan, something kind of outlandishly, really super wicked that we would think of in our mind. We are not too high or we are not too low. We are all of us. I think most of us, we are stuck in the middle. Why aren't we holy? We are devoted to distraction. We are devoted to distraction. When a human being, R.C. Sproul says, when a human being tries to consecrate what God has never consecrated, it is not a genuine act of consecration. It is an act of desecration. It is an act of idolatry. We, not people out there, 
not all those people out there who are redefining marriage, we are devoted to the distraction of desire, to fleeting passions, not because we have too much desire and we can't contain it, but because our desire is so weak that we are content with lame and limp idols. Lame and limp idols. We devote ourselves to fornication, to the addictive highs and lows of fleeting hormones. We devote ourselves to violence. Most of us, not outwardly, but inwardly, watching or reading hours and hours of violence in the news. And it's not always about blood and gore. It's about conflict. It doesn't matter the source What people say, I'll show you the research, footnotes, right? What people say they want from the news is not what they actually watch. It's the exact opposite. Everybody lies. We lie in surveys and we lie to ourselves. We lie in surveys and we lie to ourselves. We say we want resolution in politics, but we really want to constantly fight. Nothing is ever resolved because if there ever was resolution, then we would have to stop for a minute and contemplate our own brokenness and sin, our feeling empty, our never having peace and rest. We distract ourselves with wimpy desires like marijuana, and fornication, and drinking, and violence over and over again because the the thought of sitting alone with myself or sitting alone with God is unbearable. Numb the pain. We are amusing ourselves to death. Hear what the Apostle Peter says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot." It's really easy to turn a car around 180 degrees when it's moving. But try to turn a car around that is stalled. This is devotion to distraction. Being stuck in the middle. Sex, violence, politics, entertainment. We we wonder why smartphones have changed us. The next time you're sitting alone with your smartphone, the next time you're sitting alone in the wilderness of temptation, on the couch with your girlfriend or boyfriend, on the couch with your nightly liturgy of drinking away your stress and anxiety with alcohol, in the car devoting your morning drive to violence and outrage, on the couch in the malaise of watching unceasing, acceptable entertainment. 
the next time you're sitting alone, imagine that you are not see, you're seated not on a couch, but in the court of heaven. On the mountain of God. And you're not alone, not alone with yourself or your smartphone or your girlfriend. Imagine that you are seated next to the white, hot, holy presence of the Lord God Almighty. Christian, the spirit of the holy God, all of the fiery, hot holiness of God dwells not only with you on that couch, but inside you inside you, not outside you as a violent and domineering dad, okay? Get that image out of your head. He is the indwelling, consuming fire, the holy helper inside you. You, Christian, are forever sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Paul says, forever united to Christ, forever in Christ by faith. Think about this. Think on these things, Don't drown out or cover up your lack of holiness to God with unceasing distractions. Repent and return to the warmth and security of the holy God on his holy mountain. Devote yourself to knowing and loving him. The weight of preaching has, I don't know if you can tell, (laughs) just by the topic, It has been really heavy on me this week. Because the higher we exalt God, the further away I am from him. I have been sitting in silence with the holy God this week. The holiness of God has disintegrated me, like Isaiah. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He comes like hot burning coals And he sears all of this disintegration and this brokenness. And here's the final point. How can we become holy? How? Hebrews 10, hear this over you. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being made holy, who have been made holy, who have been made sanctified by faith, by their baptism. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter, to cross the line, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, from a distracted mind, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So how can we become holy? As Father Ben said last week, you can't. You can't. God has to break in. He has to break in and make us holy. There is no other way. The holy mountain of Sinai, 
the earth trembling with the holiness of the Lord God Almighty, lightning and thunder, smoke and fire, the mountain of Calvary. The second mountain, the other mountain, the holy mountain of the cross of Christ, the earth trembling with the holiness of the Lord God Almighty, lightning and thunder, the veil of the temple torn in two so that we could enter in, enter into the holy of holies, the most holy place. And if you confess that Christ is Lord and that he was raised from the dead, you, Christian, are made holy. You are made holy, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and you can now draw near to the holy God. Great saints have often been made out of great sinners, but not one was ever made out of a wimp. That's what Peter Crave said. Not one who was stuck in the distracted middle, diverting themselves all the time, indifferent all the time. Are you a great sinner? Turn away from your sin. Renounce your devotion to wimpy idols and return to the Lord today. Only great sinners who come by faith in the holy God and with repentance for sin are welcome at this table. The holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says come. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.